Welcome to Stock Odds Odds and End Podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen getting ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, thank you. A lot nice to have a long weekend, get caught up on some things, hey? Yeah, do a little extra work here too and uh, get a little breather before our shortened four-day week coming ahead. But it is mid- mid-month seasonality and we've got options expiration and some earnings coming up. So there's still some interesting things to talk about for the week ahead. Well, take it away with um, what uh, what's on the horizon here for, uh, let's say, the economic reports this week. What do we got? Yeah, so let's get to pull that up. On Tuesday, we have uh, the Empire State Manufacturing Index, so some insight there as to how manufacturing is doing. Wednesday, retail sales at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. Um, that'll give some insight into how the consumer is holding up. And then at 2 p.m. Eastern, the beige book. Um, Thursday, we've got initial jobless claims and housing starts. And Friday, existing home sales. So the themes of the week are manufacturing, retail sales, employment, and housing to see how the economy is holding up. And then there are some earnings um, starting out. Tuesday, some notable ones are Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs, United Airlines. Those are some of the bigger ones. And then on Wednesday, we've got Kinder Morgan, Alcoa. Thursday, Netflix. That could move the NASDAQ a bit. And um, Procter & Gamble. Yeah, and Friday, Ally Financial. So it depends on what you're trading in your baskets. So. I think now we're in that season where you need to cross-check your symbols each day against earnings, upgrades, downgrades, etc. We did have um, Friday talking about um, this concern refers about the debt uh, reaching the statutory limit. Mm-hmm. So as of Thursday, that would be uh, where we're at with the, the limit. Um, so it might be some concerns there that could cause the market to stumble a little bit. I'm not sure. So we now owe 31 trillion U.S. That's uh, <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of dough, a lot of dough. But that's in 2023 dollars, right? Not, not 1950 dollars. <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, yeah, and so uh, this is you know this is a compressed week here. And I mean, although it doesn't seem like there's there's much in the, in the way of economic, um, you know, news, um, there are there are some things that are, again, reinf- going to reinforce this inflation uh, or recession theme. Uh, plus, we've got, you know, with these bank earnings and and stuff, right? I mean, Goldman Sachs is a big, that's a big one, right? Morgan Stanley, that's a big one. Um, so that's going to give us. You know the start to to this week, right? Uh, a shortened week as it is, and then of course it ends in expiration Friday. So sometimes there can be a lot of pressure on, you know, these strike prices. You know, where's the maximum pain? You know, and um, and you can see that things move towards that maximum pain because you know people that have used options for speculation or for hedging or, um, you know, they they don't want them exercised necessarily. And, uh, and so that's why we have a maximum pain threshold. 
but uh, it's going to culminate in the week in expiration. And then uh, after that, we often have um, a bit of a transition or reversal or, or pivot uh, that's possible as well. Uh-huh. So, you know, what's the seasonality for, for the remainder? Like we've got a, a combination here. We're still in mid month and then we've got the Friday expiration event as well yeah. so there's yeah. a seasonality for that so you want to rattle off a few of those things yeah so mid-month seasonality for the spider is um, expected to do one percent right and then the the small caps are expected to do 0.56 so not as good as the the bigger cap things and then even the nasdaq is better than the spider 1.67 percent for the nasdaq one percent for the spider and 0.56 for the iwm so they're supposed to be very robust for mid-month seasonality. And also the third Friday of the month is coming Friday. Uh, again, um, all of them show really positive values. Uh, 0.7 for the spider, 0.82 for the IWM, and 0.66 for the QQQ. But then after that, the, the end of the month, the last five days, last three days, last trading days, those are all very negative. So it seems like the month the bullishness kind of peaks out mid-month january and that may tie into what you were talking about people in mid-december doing the tax loss selling and then buying it up in the first part of january and they kind of uh, peak near that the options expiration uh friday well i think that's that's why we get our you know that's why we get our bounce you know i think whenever you see a pattern you have to ask what's the fundamental reason why and i don't know that you know, for the January bump, that payroll deposits, 401k money accounts for all of that that we normally see historically. So I, I believe the other part of it is the uh, the rebuying of positions that were sold, uh, you know, the previous year. And of course, last year was a really bad year. So I would imagine that uh, you want to, you know, take the chips off the table there and get your tax loss selling. So. Um, <laughs> And also the ETFs within um, mid-month seasonality, um, we've got uh, QQQ, XLK, the SMH, so a lot of the technology stuff, bullish, uh, also gold and some of the staples, with energy being weaker. So XOP, right. XLE, and even the solar stocks, TAN, the TAN ETF. Yeah. Yeah. Um, normally don't talk about this but i'm going to talk about bitcoin Hmm. and i was looking at uh, a bitcoin chart just to see what you know the current volume situation was and um because it's had a little bit of a rally here since january 1 have you noticed uh bitcoin's kind of back in and we've we've always used it for um a risk on type of an indicator and so the theme is if there's rebuying of some of these beat up, beaten down tech stocks, and there was a hesitancy to kind of get back into tech at the very first week of January, and it picked up a little bit in the second week, and NASDAQ didn't do too bad, and also small caps have done pretty good. Um, so then it's, you know, carrying this theme over about, you know, where is all the supporting information for risk on? And Bitcoin could be a part of that again. There was a little bit of its leadership and relevance that was lost more in the latter half of this year. 
of last year, the latter half of the year. Um, it wasn't as important as an indicator anymore. Um, but, you know, if you think about what's happened with the capitulation, the crypto winter, you know, the FTX flush out, plus some other things that have happened in that space, mm-hmm. um, you think about all the miners getting kicked out of China in the last while and, and, uh, and then, you know, with with even some of the miners moving to Texas and things like that. And then you had uh, problems with electric grid and shut down or, you know, you had weather related problems and stuff, too. Um, and so you, you add that in there, lower, lower mining output. What, what does that mean? I mean, I was doing some crypto mining on the on the GPU side before. I mean, if you want it as a utility, you mine it, you sell it. You know, you mine it, you sell it, right? You don't, you don't hold it because that's not you're in the utility business. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if there's if there's less mining, um, and also the the hash rates have risen, so there there it takes more hash power to solve equations, um, to validate you know a block, then um, that just plays into less coins probably will be sold. So you think about that, um, think about, you know, usually there's been a lot of cashing in of Bitcoin converting to U.S. dollars so you can purchase things because, you know, reality is fiat is still king and you want to buy things that the U.S. dollar can buy that you still can't buy with Bitcoin or crypto, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so if the dollar is strong then it makes sense to cash in some crypto and convert it into into the u.s dollars now if the uh, dollar weakens then maybe they'll be less likely to be selling bitcoin um and then you have the um you know the fact that it's all part of this whole speculation thing about you know is the fed going to be aggressive are they going to be you know, slowing down, you know, maybe not achieving target, maybe not staying at target that long, you know, maybe the economy will get so concerning that they'll back off altogether. I don't know. The market wants to be hopeful about all these things. We we still love that drug that we had of free money, right? Free, mm-hmm. free money, money from helicopters. I mean, the market loves that drug. So, um, so I think some of that's being uh, factored in as well. And then that lower volume just intrigues me. I'll give you an example here. So in 2017, when we were also at around the same level of 20,000, the volume was 56.17 million for the month. And so far this month, we've only done 3.53 million and we rallied from the 16,000 up to the 21,000. Uh-huh. So we've only done 3.53 million bitcoin, right? Uh-huh. That's it. So, yeah, there's still a half a month left. We might be able to get up to 6 or 7, but that's still relatively light compared to 2021 and earlier. So the years of 2022 and 2023 so far, um the volume has been extremely light. Hmm. right so um 
it's just, you know, maybe not as much interest, uh, maybe not as much uh, money floating around to do this thing. But I think that there would be a potential chance that if volume was light and there wasn't any opposition, that, you know, the biggest players in the space, the ones that control, you know, the most coin, could uh, could make a run for it and try to get this thing way back up there, you know? It's possible. I've seen this movie before with stocks and, and other, you know, assets where it's starts to be thinly traded and then they really, you know, move it, right? So, and this isn't a regulated industry, right? Crypto is not regulated like uh, stocks are. So the aspect of manipulation is entirely possible. I thought it was manipulated sitting at 20,000 for so long, you know, month after month after month, just sitting around 20,000. Then it dropped down to that 16,000, 16,500 level. And it looked again, like it was manipulated, right? Uh-huh. Now they got it back up to 20, 21. Uh-huh. Uh, it doesn't surprise me that they run it to 30 or 40 or 50, you know, they wouldn't surprise me at all. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to bring that to your attention because it can go back into the deck in terms of, a, a you know, that leading indicator or confirming indicator of risk on appetite too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, another one is uh, copper. Um, with, with the China reopening, we've got um, copper seems to be popping back up. I mean, we've already had gold and silver move. Now that's really connected to the U.S. dollar. Copper is somewhat connected to the U.S. dollar because it's a base metal, but it's also connected to a recession. Um, so if you see copper rising, that means that the recession concerns are, you know, less so. Um, and it means that China is returning to be, you know, more of a consumer and, and more of a uh, manufacturer again, because uh, the lockdowns obviously have harmed a lot of that. Um, so and then on the. Um, you know, we've got WEF, WEF meeting this week, right? It started uh, today um, in Davos. And so some of their concerns uh, from all of their, what they call stakeholder capital, all the companies that are associated, um, you know, we've got everything from uh, energy crisis, you know, inflation, cyber attacks is a big one. If you saw the video recently that was put out by Klaus Schwab on cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, food supply crisis, you know, deployment of nuclear weapons and biological weapons and so on. Um, So those are down at the lower end of, you know, obviously the impact would be great, but the um, the uh, probability of them of a a nuclear deployment are still lower. Um, But so what interested me, Dave, was, um, you know, the biggest concern by all of the constituents uh, that they've, you know, I mean, members and affiliated companies and blah, 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 and people in general, I guess. Uh, energy supply crisis and cost of living crisis are the two most things. Now, oil um, is still in the weaker threshold. Um, and so with oil coming down, that alleviates a bit of the cost of living, right? And the energy supply crisis as well. I mean, what's your gas now in California? And the four. You don't, you, now, so. you don't even yeah. fill your tank with gas anymore. You just fill it with water from the rain, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. no, we're down talk about four. talk about reversion to the mean, Dave. Uh, well, it, from drought to, stop, it, I know this is the most rain we've had like 
ever in a, within a week. It's just uh, looks like Hawaii here. It's just green everywhere. Well, we had one atmospheric river here, and it, it nearly destroyed our whole province, right? And uh, you, you've had, what, how many atmospheric rivers come through your state now? Quite a few. But there's one more to come, isn't there? Yeah, this, this week. And so, yeah, it's it, this, this is reversion to the mean. So when you see a period of drought for seven years and it doesn't rain, uh, uh, do expect... Um, it to come and revert back at some point and you'll get you'll get your your you when you average it all out this is the problem with averages <laughs> when you average it all out it'll be the same amount of rain per year except you didn't have rain for seven years and then you got seven years worth of rain in one one two month. weeks, <laughs> <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> so this is again when we deal with probability and statistics and things like there's this always this clumping effect right and so averages you know, are, are, they can appear one way. And so, so the thing about trading baskets and pairs, it's always about, you know, what is the duration of your drought? You know, what is the duration of your drawdowns? Uh Um, And that's the important thing. So I was talking to one of our other traders about this and, um, you know, he, he has an idea that, um, you know, a person should, Think about what the strategy drawdown is. So try to identify what that maximum drawdown is. Uh-huh. And then um, build that in right away from the beginning so that when you start trading, that you've already accepted that drawdown. And it's almost like that cash for that drawdown has been sort of set aside that it's like, you know, I can lose this much money and I'm completely okay with it because I already factored that in. Uh-huh. So if so if you can identify what that maximum drawdown is, you can go confidently forward and then sort of defend it, meaning that you constantly optimize and you you constantly play offense and defense to to mitigate that. So to adapt, to optimize, to tweak, to review, to analyze, to see why a drawdown is beginning so that you can stay ahead of it and never hit that maximum drawdown that you had already planned for uh-huh. that makes sense yeah well let's let's say for example that you you know that you can go for three weeks with bad numbers just you know bad results bad results for three weeks and let's just say that you identified that was your maximum drawdown well then if it starts to happen for three days in a row you're okay to still proceed because you haven't hit that threshold but if you did hit that threshold, if you actually lost exactly how much you planned to, then you would stop at that point and and really kind of assess where you're at, right? Because you don't want to go beyond that. Uh-huh. Uh, but you know, like that might be helpful um, as a give it some thought anyway, guys uh, who are listening to this, give it some thought because um, you know it doesn't matter whether it's a pair strategy or basket strategy or single stock strategies. Uh, you're going to have drawdown elements. And if you factor them in ahead of time, it's sure going to help a lot. Okay. Um, just want to run through the futures here uh, where we're at right now. Um, so we we had the futures trading on Sunday from 6 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, right when they started trading on Sunday, um, they popped up a little bit. Uh, let's see. Hold on. We got. Let's uh, go back to Sunday. Yeah, they popped up a little bit at first, all the way to about 
almost midnight Eastern, and then we start rolling down uh, all the way to this morning, early this morning, and we pop up back a little bit and kind of we're we're kind of halfway there uh, at the moment. Um, and where did we close? So on the 13th, we we closed. So we're a little bit lower than where we closed on the 13th. So that the futures have been trading, whereas the equities market has been closed. And um, the Dow right now is down 71 points or 0.21%. S&P is down 15 and three quarters or 0.39%. NASDAQ's down uh, 73 points or 0.63%. Russell's down 6.9 or 0.36%. The VIX is up 1.54%, which makes sense. And looking at our currencies at the moment, US dollar is was a little bit bullish earlier. It's still up at slightly 0.12%. This is going to be really key for the behavior of gold and silver and some of the other commodities. It's going to be kind of important for um, the risk on trade as well. We, you know, if we see a strong dollar tomorrow, it could change just based on Goldman's and you know Morgan Stanley's earnings. Um, depends. I mean, part of it depends on the earnings. Part of it depends on you know what the conference call with analysts and so on is, how that goes, what the questions are, and things like that. And there's also not just the past earnings, but there's the forward guidance as well. Um, and then, of course, we have, let's see here. Let's look at energy. Uh, energy had a good week last week. We were up from really the 11th, 12th, and 13th, where it was a pretty good showing. Started actually on the 9th. I mean, Monday was up, and then it pulled back a bit on, on Tuesday. Wednesday was stable, and then Thursday and Friday, it launched pretty good. So oil has been up. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be super bullish on it right at the moment. Um, and then let's look at gold here. Again, gold is going to be affected by the dollar largely. So hope that helps. Um, anything else to cover? Did we miss? No, that's okay. All right, well, have a good trading day and uh, catch you tomorrow. All right, good luck. Thanks.